The Healthy Golf Podcast, Episode 51, The Monthly Mash with Andrew Roberts. Welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the Monthly Mash on the Healthy Golf Podcast, where obviously I am the host, and I'm always joined by our good friend, Andrew. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me again, Joe. Before we get started, everyone needs to wish Andrew a happy belated birthday. It was his birthday yesterday, and I forget how old you are, but... Uh, 36, even though... 36. Yeah, even though people don't think I'm 36, so I get a no, lot no, of. No. Are you like 27, 28? I'm like, no. So, no, it's it's <laughs> good. it's good. I'm still in my mid 30s, so I'm still surviving. Very good. Well, it's been a little bit. It's been about four or five weeks since our last monthly match. A little bit longer than usual. A lot of things have happened, including the Masters, and um, I'm sure everyone still remembers. You know, Justin Rose was doing pretty well first two days, and then Matsuyama came out of nowhere. Was a little faulty on the on the back nine there. Could have could have been a little bit disastrous, especially if Shoffley held on and didn't hit his tee shot into the water on 16. But Matsuyama held strong and uh, pulled away with a green jacket, which was really awesome to see. I think you know having uh, first Japanese player win uh, a green jacket and and he just dominated really it's pretty impressive yeah and uh you know only the second major winner whether male or female uh a couple years ago i can't remember the the woman's name but she won the uh women's british open kind of came out of nowhere uh but yeah exactly right justin rose got off to a hot start 765 uh looked great driving the ball striking his irons very well punting well with that axis one uh, rose that he designed himself uh, but just the rest of the weekend I mean one under and I think a couple evens or maybe a one over I mean he just kind of eight first 18 holes outstanding last 54 just kind of met you know um, and then you know yeah Shoffley uh, did a great job obviously probably should have hit seven iron on 16 uh, he hit eight iron. They asked him about it after the round. He said, I flushed that thing. But, you know, he got an unfortunate bad kick because if he would have kicked forward, he would have been in that worst case in the bunker, best case kind of on that left side of the green and would have had at least a putt at it. Uh, but it kicked hard left and it kicked into the uh, the pond there um, and dashed his hopes, obviously, because I think he made a triple bogey, I think six on that hole. So, um but yeah, Matsuyama, 65, seven under on Saturday. But, you know, like you said, he faltered on the back nine, but that's what the Masters wants. It's it's one on the back nine. I mean, he shot 30, 34 on the front and 39 on the back. So um, was able to survive. But uh, kind of the big story of the week besides him, once again, is, is Will Zalatoris, a guy who we have talked about him before on this podcast. Um had no status on any tour. PGA Corn Ferry uh, was playing the mini tours about a year and a half, two years ago, 
Monday qualified for a corn ferry tour event, which used to be the web.com. Um, for those of you that are unfamiliar, uh, finished T seven and then went to the, uh, I think it was a Colorado championship at TPC Colorado ended up winning that. So then he gets full status on the corn ferry tour. A couple events later wins it. He is still on top of the corn ferry tour money list, which, which is just, it, it's kind of, it's cool, but it's also very interesting and comical to me that he's been playing on the PGA Tour basically since about September last year, and he's still leading the Corn Ferry Tour points list. So, um, and he's, you know, he's played well. Uh, the two majors he's been in, tied for six at the U.S. Open, solo second at the Masters. Um, he's going to be an interesting guy to watch for the PGA Championship coming up, and obviously for the rest of the year for the PGA Tour. He's got special temporary status, but he is still not eligible for the FedEx Cup playoffs unless he wins. So he has to get a win. Otherwise, he will not be in the FedEx Cup playoffs, but he'll be playing the PGA Tour for a long time because, number one, he's 24. He, he plays the game extremely well. He's fairly long. He's a great iron player, um, very good around the greens, and he's a, a pretty decent putter. Um, so he's going to be a guy to keep an eye on. But once again, congrats to Hideki Matsuyama, a well-deserved guy that many people thought in the inner circle of golf was close to winning a big event such as the players or major. And now he has a master's green jacket. Yeah. And Sal Torres, I mean, came out of nowhere, um, you know, first time at the masters and he even played really well the week after um, he, no. he continued to do well, uh, even though he didn't win, but still played very well. And then last week, uh, we just finished up the Zurich Classic, and uh, the Aussies took it. Had a little uh, business up front party in the back with Cam Smith and then Mark Leishman, but they they really didn't hold back at all. They were pretty much on fire a majority of the week and uh, took that pretty easily from everyone else for the most part. Yeah, um, Cam Smith might have the best flow on tour with this hair rivaling uh, Tommy Fleetwood, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean. Um... Uh, start off Victor Hovland, Chris Ventura, two Norwegians, got off to a hot start. Uh, led after the first two rounds, Tony Finau, Cam Champ, uh, Team Send It, as they call themselves all week. Uh, we're up there in the second and the third round. Uh, and then Leishman, obviously, and Cameron Smith were very consistent. And then it became a battle between them and the South Africans, Louis Hustazen, Charles Schwartzel. Uh, we thought they might be in trouble on 16 when Cam hit a great three-wood that bounced hard left into the pond, but then Leishman chipped it in for birdie to get it even. Both teams bogeyed 17, part 18, and then in the playoff, Oosthuizen blocked his tee shot way right into the hazard, and all Cam Smith and Mark Leishman had to do was make par, so they are the winners. Coincidentally, this is the second time Cam Smith has won it, he won it in uh, 2017. I cannot remember who his partner was, but uh, he's won that event now twice now. Third time in the PGA Tour he's won. He won the Sony Open last year in Hawaii. Uh, another win for Mark Leishman on the PGA Tour. A couple underrated guys, and obviously, um, you know, great team chemistry, great, uh, you know, great playing, obviously, in the four-ball format, and then in the alternate shot foursomes, they didn't shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, which some teams did during that format on uh, Friday, Sunday, but kind of a unique event. 
you know, with the two ball format for the Zerg Classic, but it, I I kind of like it in some ways. So, yeah, I was just about to ask, do you do you prefer, maybe not prefer, but would you like to see more of those kinds of events on the PGA Tour? I don't know if I I prefer it. I like that the Zerg Classic went after that format. Um, you know, because kind of in the the um, the non season, they have the QBE shootout in December. Um, I mean, maybe I, I wouldn't like boatload, but maybe another event or something like that. Or um, what they do in Europe is the the golf sixes. I don't know if they have that on the schedule this year anymore, but a couple of years ago they had the golf sixes where they had um, they'll have men's teams from countries and ladies teams from countries. So you know, LPGA ladies European Tour professionals against European Tour PGA Tour professionals. So I, that might be kind of cool because the European Tour and Ladies European Tour have done a couple of co-sanctioned events, mainly in the Middle East. But um, you know, I, that would be cool. I think that's a ways away, but um, I would not be opposed to adding maybe one more kind of event, some of the Zurich Classic. Um, I do like that they have an event like the Zurich Classic, and then you know, several weeks ago they had the WGC World uh, Match Play Championship that has been held in. Austin, Texas now the last few years at Austin Country Club. So I think it's nice. Nothing wrong with stroke play. Um, but to kind of just break it up every so often, I think it's cool to have those couple events on the PGA Tour um, and some of the other tours like the European Tour and the LPGA um, that do that as well. Yeah, I think it's I think it's good to mix it up. Like you said, I don't think I would make too many events like that. I would like to see more of some of those just not – not PGA tour events, but some of those, you know, kind of like the match with Tiger and Phil and all yeah, those different yeah. things. Yeah. I would love to see more of that. I think that's just fun and exciting and just something different. And I think it draws in more people as well, especially when they start to bring in some celebrities or even if they start to mix it up, like someone had mentioned before, um, having some women play with, you know, Phil and whoever decides to do the next match, whatever number mm-hmm. we're going to be on at this time. I think it's four. Uh, for yeah. but um yeah i think i think those are just fun to watch honestly um yeah and and, and and that was you know when they had the break last year with with covid i think that was kind of a cool idea um i i think some of those are in the works i don't know how soon they'll be out because you know obviously all the tours are are very busy um, at this point. So I maybe late summer, sometime in the fall, I think might be a, a, a good opportunity. Uh, maybe in like September, October, obviously. And it, you know, most places you could have an event, but obviously someplace kind of where I live, Arizona, California, Florida, stuff like that. I think, um, you know, with, with something like that, I think it would be cool. Um, I mean, obviously we've got the Ryder cup coming up this year in September. Um, but uh, yeah, like you said, it'd be cool to, to see a match, especially, you know, Phil, um, Phil and, and somebody else with uh, some of the LPGA Tour players or just a, a high level women's golfer, stuff like that, I think would be very interesting to see uh, for all that. Yeah. And then this week we have the Valspar Championship, uh, mm-hmm. defending champ Paul Casey. I'm pretty sure he's playing this Two week. Times. Two-time defending. Two-time, okay. Man, can he go for a three-peat is the question. Yes, yes, and this is a 
because of the schedule change, this is quite a loaded field now because usually it was at the end of March, uh, usually either the week before or the week after, I think the players, um, a lot of players would take that week off. Now they've got a, a very strong field. I mean, Paul Casey, two-time defending champ. Uh, Justin Thomas, world number two after a two-week break, is back. Um, I believe Jordan Spieth is there. Uh, Dustin Johnson, world number one, is there. Um, and, and obviously, uh, uh, Phil Mickelson, a late addition to the field, but he is there as well as some other players, you know, like Kevin Kistner, um, Louis Hazen, you know, guys like that are in the field. So very interesting. Um, at the Copperhead course at Ennisbrook Resort uh, near Tampa Bay. Um, and then the last three holes, very familiar. People are very familiar with par 3, 16th, par 5, 17th. Par 4, 18th, called the Snake Pit. So that is a uh, usually a three-hole stretch that people look forward to, especially on Saturday, Sunday, for position and who's going to win. They've had a lot of dramatic moments over the years. But the Valspar taking advantage of the slight schedule change to get a pretty stacked field this week uh, with all those guys. So uh, should be should be a good week, um, you know, with – only a few weeks left until the PGA championship on Kiwa Island in South Carolina. So yeah, it should be a good weekend to watch and we've got lots more tournaments coming up too. really good ones. Yep. Um, Wells Fargo the week after that, Charlotte, that's usually a pretty uh, good tournament, you know, draws guys like Rory, Ricky Fowler, Max Homa, uh, who won it a couple years ago uh, and will be the defending champ, you know, because obviously like this week, the Valspar, and the uh, Wells Fargo were canceled. Um, you know, that one's going to get another good field as well. And then the AT&T Byron Nelson slightly changing the venue. Um, they're going to TPC Craig Ranch this year um, compared to uh, where they've been the past couple of years. Uh, uh, TPC, I can't remember the name of it. So um, it's, of course, Jordan Spieth's home, home course, the one that was the last couple of years. And then this year they're going to TPC Craig ranch, uh, which is obviously still in the Dallas area. So that yeah, should be a good couple of weeks here. Yeah. It should be exciting. Talking about exciting. We have had a tiger sighting, a couple of tiger sightings. One was when he was in a golf court, uh, looked a little perturbed or I don't know what kind of look he had on his face, but, uh, looked like he was watching his son, Charlie play some golf. He was getting driven around. And uh, the other one was him with not the greatest quality photo. I don't know what kind of phone he's using these days, but uh, standing out on his course with his with his little pup. And uh, he seems to be in good spirits, which is awesome to see. Um, you know, we haven't had much news from Tiger or his camp in a while, except for the fact that he was, uh, you know, transferred back to Florida in his home from California. And really all we still know is what we initially told you on the podcast uh, after the accident occurred. Um, he's now in a walking boot and we would still both assume that he has, you know, all of his hardware still on his leg. We don't know otherwise. And he's at least standing on it and he didn't have a crutch or an assistive device, at least for the picture. Um, so that's good. He's at least putting some weight through the leg, even though he does have the walking boot on. Um, but seems to be in good spirits and he's taking that time away from not being able to play to obviously redesign his uh, 
little golf course in his backyard. So hopefully good things to come from Tiger in the near future. Yeah, he had uh, – so obviously we saw him on the golf cart with his girlfriend. Uh, I think Erica Harmon is her name, um, watching Charlie's event <laughs> with the uh, mini goatee that Tiger has. And then the other picture, he was on crutches. Uh, at this point, we can probably say he is partial weight-bearing, which means he's only putting a limited amount of weight on it because um, obviously with the, the rodness tibia, they're just making sure – the, the bone grows back where the fracture or fractures were. Um, and he's using a walking boot to take some uh, weight bearing and pressure off both his foot, ankle, and his lower leg because of the hardware, you know, plate screws, rods, things like that in it. Um, you know, he's two and a half, almost three months post-accident. So, and like you said, he looks to be in good spirits. So that's pretty good. Uh, rehab word has been mum so far which I mean, is fine. They're just protecting his privacy uh, because both of us medical providers know you cannot uh, release any medical information unless authorized by the individual, which violates HIPAA. Uh, but probably, you know, obviously working on strength for his lower leg, probably working on some range of motion, mainly at the knee and the foot and the ankle. Um, and then eventually working into What's called weight bearing is tolerated. Uh, he may still have the walking boot, but he may be able to go with one crutch and then no crutches and then, you know, go off the boot according to the surgeon's orders or the protocols that his rehab team is following. But all in all, for the sighting we saw last week with Tiger, it's, uh, it's very good for him. Obviously, he's not going to play in the PGA Championship. He's more than likely not going to play in the U.S. Open, and probably very doubtful to play in the Open Championship in uh, July because that would still be five or six months post, and considering the severity of his injury, that would be very uh, risky and would be very challenging for him um, at that point. So um, good to see Tiger around, but like I said, we don't know when we'll see him either playing tournaments, practice rounds um, at all. It's probably going to be a while, but I'm sure when we know, Tiger will let the public know. Yep. Also, speaking of surprising, both of us were very wrong in uh, taking a guess if Brooks was going to play in the Masters or not, and he sure did. Obviously, though, he wasn't in full form and didn't no, play his best. <laughs> and no. obviously... I'm sure everyone saw his, you know, Spider-Man model pose with his leg stretched out to the side when he was lining up putts because he couldn't bend his knee like we had mentioned uh, based on what we assumed with his surgery. Um, I was really surprised to see him play, honestly. I, I was a little bit surprised to see him play. And he didn't play that bad. Uh, and he basically said throughout the week, like walking downhill, um, obviously bending down to pick up his putts and things like that because he couldn't, you know, bend it past 90 degrees, which Joe had alluded to, um, made it difficult. But overall, his swing didn't look that bad. Um, and he didn't play that bad. It's just, you know, he's on a bum wing, if you want to call it. Um, and if this was any tournament besides the Masters, he wouldn't have played. Because his plan is basically said he's not going to – he was not going to play between the Masters and the PGA. So – 
Obviously, he didn't play last week. He didn't play the week before the RBC Heritage. Um, he's not, obviously, at the Valspar. Wells Fargo is a tournament he usually plays, but more than likely he's not going to play there. Um, and the AT&T, which he's played lately, uh, the week before majors, uh, which has been either the Masters or the uh, PGA Championship, he's more than likely not going to play that. So his next tournament will be that second week of May at the PGA Championship at Kiwa Island uh, in South Carolina. It looks fairly flatter, but once again, Brooks will have basically a full month of rehab under his belt, excuse me, um, to get that that side ready with his uh, therapist, Derek Samuels, who's located in the San Diego area. So he's probably spending a good amount of time out in San Diego as well as back home in, in, in Florida. Obviously, we know um, he is spending time in Florida because he is now engaged to Jenna Sims. So that was kind of the other big thing that was let out of the bag after the Masters, but they had been engaged for about three weeks. But um, So he's probably splitting his time between the two. Um, it'll be interesting, obviously, to see him at the PGA Championship, an event that he is he won in back-to-back years uh, on a very interesting course, uh, the Kiwa Island Ocean Course, in which the last time they hosted Rory McIlroy in 2012 obliterated the field. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we could see Rory play a little bit better. He's just been all out of sorts and, yeah, man, did not play well at the Masters. And um, we haven't seen him since, but yeah, I'm guessing we'll see him next week at the Wells Fargo. I think that's the only tournament he'll play between now and the PGA Championship. Um, yeah. Obviously, his dad, family man, um, he is still working with Michael Bannon every so often, but he has switched to uh, he's working with renowned PGA and European Tour uh, instructor Pete Cowan. So I'm guessing they're doing a decent amount of work. Um, probably back home where he lives in, in Florida as well. So, um, yeah, I, I want to see Rory play well too. I think, um, hopefully when he gets to Kiowa, it'll give him good memories because he, uh, he obliterated the field in 2012. I mean, he was, he, uh, he took it to him. I mean, after winning the U S open in 2011, you know, the 2012 PG, I think there was a lot of unknowns with that because Kiowa Island had not Hosted a high-level event for a while, and uh, it was a great course, but Rory just picked it apart. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, nine years later how it uh, how it plays. Yeah, very much. And then I guess we'll cover this last little bit of PGA Tour news. Uh, I'm sure if you haven't heard about it, PGA launched a player impact program, basically – Somehow they found a pool of $40 million <laughs> and they're going to give it, distribute it to the top 10 players on the PGA tour. However, uh, it has nothing to do with performance on the tour whatsoever. It's for a lack of a better term, a popularity contest. Um, I wrote down the, the criteria of what constitutes, um, who will, who will get the money. So basically it's Google search popularity, Nielsen brand exposure ratings. So that's for like TV, basically Q ratings, which is how well they're known to the general public MVP index rating, which is social media engagement and meltwater mentions, which is how often they're covered by the media. 
They also, to be eligible, have to commit to one corporate day per year for the tour's purposes and add an event to their schedule, in quotes, beyond the strength of field requirement. So that is the player impact program. I think it's, you know, everyone's saying it's a, it's a ploy to keep people and players leaving the tour to go to, you know, what has been proposed by uh, some people across, uh, across the pond, not necessarily in Europe, but in the middle East and just over overseas, basically for the premier golf league where, you know, they're promising huge purses. Um, I can totally understand PGA tours move in this. However, the premier golf league isn't even a thing yet. One, um, I think how they're going to grade people is interesting. Um, I'm just be curious if people would be, if they would look at like, of course, Tiger Woods is still going to be probably one of the most searched people, but like, are people looking up Tiger Woods for his car accident, which has really nothing to do with golf. It still brings awareness to golf, but, um, has nothing to do with the actual tour or anything along those lines. Right. Um, and then the last thing is, I don't know. I think they could probably use some of that money to do something decent. Um, other than just give it to more people who already have a ton of money. Um, but that's just my take. (laughs) Well, I, you know, it's an, it's an interesting thing. I think, uh, there are some players that are just like, they don't care. I mean, they asked Justin Thomas today and his, uh, media availability, how do you feel? And he said, I'm, I don't really care about a popularity contest. I'm just out here to win compared to a guy like, you know, Kevin Kisner. That's like, Oh, this is, this is interesting. You know, um, you know, and, and your most popular players are the guy are the people that are going to play well. And I think to Joe's point, that's kind of the thing. I mean, like for example, Tiger was Tiger's got a huge social media following and you know, when he was in his prime, he was playing well. And that's the reason people follow him because he played well. Uh, Jordan Spieth got a huge social media following. Now he's getting back on the right track, won the Valero Texas Open. Um, but people were interested in him, like what's he going through with the slump? Uh, Ricky Fowler is popular, even though he's going through a slump. Or McIlroy is popular, even though he's going through a slump. Um, so a lot of the popularity are the people that are playing well. And, and no offense to the guys like the the Kevin Kistners or the the Scotty Schefflers or the 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 people like that because they are very good players. And if you play on the PGA tour, you are dang good, but unfortunately you're just, you're not super popular. I mean, you know, Bubba is Bubba because people know Bubba Watson because of his first name and his, his personality. I mean, Cam Champ is starting to, people are starting to know because he hits the ball a long way, but he plays pretty well. I mean, he's won two PGA tour events. So I, you know, I, I, like you said, I understand what they're trying to get at. They're trying to keep people in house, incentivize things more. It's kind of like a contract for these other athletes for football, baseball and stuff. If you do so much, we'll give you this money, things like that. But I also agree with Joe, even though the PGA tour is very uh, charitable and they've given over some like $2 billion since I think like the early nineties or late nineties or early two thousands. So but I still think that money could be used for something like that along the lines. I don't think some of these players care about popularity. They care about winning. You get 15 million for winning the FedEx cup. They get money from sponsors. They get money from corporate outings that they have to do with their sponsors 
or some of the um, individuals that, uh, are uh, recognizable along the PGA Tour. So um, I don't know what a what a good use for that money is, but I think this this PIP program. I think honestly, a decent amount of players are not going to care because they've already got money, and some are going to be more intrigued because they're like, oh. You know, I, I only made so much on the PGA Tour this year, but I can make more. So I think it's it, it, it depends on who you ask. It depends on which players you ask and who, who you ask about how they feel. For sure. I know I read a thing a little bit. I'm pretty sure it was from, I know for sure it was Xander Shoffley, who, you know, plays really well, has been on a hot streak as of late, um, has always been really, you know, relatively popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has like basically zero social media presence. He even said it himself in what he was talking about after this kind of program got released. And he says that he doesn't even, he doesn't even manage his own social media profile. Like he just doesn't have time for it. He's not interested in it. And that's, yeah. you know, his prerogative. If he doesn't want to share what, you know, is going on in his life, that's totally cool. That's up to him. Um, but obviously that's, that would affect his ability to, uh, you know, whatever it is social media MVP. Yeah. MVP index rating. Um, I'll be, I'm going to be interested to see how many more people start to do more stuff on social media now that this is a thing. Yeah, I don't, there'll be some, there'll be some that'll take the bait, but I think the majority of players either already had a social media following or like Xander said, I, I have somebody else that manages my accounts and I, I don't have time for it. I really don't care. So um, I, but you'll, you'll see a handful of guys, um, uh, that'll, that might take that bait, uh, just cause it's 40 million. I mean, you wave $40 million carrot in front of somebody, they're going to do something. So, um, not saying it's good or bad, but I just, I, I, like I said, I think it depends on which, uh, which players you ask and, and how they feel about it. I mean, you know, guys like Xander, Justin, and, and, and probably Rory, they, they may not care that much, but somebody like Kevin Kistner or, or some of those other guys who are trying to get more exposure, right? It kind of intrigues them. Yep. That very would. I mean, shoot, I don't need that much money. I just need enough to pay off my student loans that I'd be happy. That's all I, that's yeah. all I need right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's get into uh, some listener questions. We had, uh, one big question here has a few parts to it. Um, this gentleman was asking more about, you know, as the season's going on, developing strength and power, maybe not necessarily during the season, but just in general. Yeah. Um, but he's looking for the first thing he asked, which exercises can I do at the gym or even at home for creating a bigger backswing as well as a follow through up to end position. And these are his words. Um, so I'm assuming, you know, you know, finishing and posting up onto, to the lead leg there. So what exercises can he do for creating a bigger backswing and follow through up into end position? As always, before we get started, we are highly qualified medical providers. Uh, but without being able to assess you, it's really hard to give you specific exercises that would most benefit, be the most benefit to you and your needs for what you're trying to achieve in your golf swing. So with that being said, 
we're going to paint a uh, with really broad strokes here basically to help you figure that out um, I think the first thing to really think about getting into your backswing and follow through there's going to have to be range of motion requirements more than likely and mobility requirements and as always those are going to include the hips mid back shoulders and even your neck um, those would be the major ones for me if we're talking about backswing um, they're pretty much going to be the same thing talking about the follow-through it's just slightly in a different position um, but those are going to be the big ones um, specific exercises uh, really anything that focuses on improving hip internal rotation that's what you're going to be in in your backswing on your trail side and the lead side when you're finishing up and posting and typically that's limited in most people not always but very very common it is uh, anything that you can do to improve your torso rotation um, shoulders i'm not too concerned with the lead side Usually you have enough to get there. The trail side is more about external rotation. Most people are trying to get into uh, what they call the slot, right? Or try to, you know, shallow the club so you can get it on that in to out path instead of out to in. And then the neck, you just, you need to have that rotation of your neck. It's not always needed. There's some people that follow the ball. They don't need to have all that rotation, but um, technically you need to be able to turn your head pretty much all the way almost 90 degrees just about uh, and be able to touch your collarbone with your chin. Um, what do you have to add, Andrew? I mean, I, I agree with all of that. The only, um, I'm not saying this exercise will work for you, but this is the only one that popped into my head is, uh, is med ball, basically med ball rotation. And then uh, against the wall. So if you got a sturdy like cement wall or like a target, things like that, that's the only thing I can think of. But like Joe said, because we don't have the assessment, you know, like TPI, we do an assessment basically top down, um, certain positions that you need in the golf swing, certain musculature, things like that. Um, it's, it is, it is difficult to make a broad generalization, but the only thing I would think of that would be a, a good exercise. It may work. It may not. I will just put that caveat out there. It is a med ball rotation because basically you start with the med ball in this position, you rotate, obviously trunk shoulders, your neck may follow it a little bit. And then obviously rotation from the hips and then, you know, release it as, as hard as possible, which builds up that power demand. Um, but in order to put together a comprehensive solid fitness program, you need something like, a Titleist Performance Institute assessment, just a quick kind of dirty screen, sometimes as we call it, uh, 10 to 15 minutes to really understand how you move um, from an athletic position, you know, especially with the golf swing, um, or just how you move in general with just the demands of movements, of sport, of anything that you want to do. So, um, that is what I would, I would say, um, but yeah, med ball rotation, um, slams on the wall would be the only thing I would think of, but it may not work for you. Um, it's just kind of a broad generalization on that. 
Yes. And I also thought of this as we were, as you brought that up, um, your lat on your lead side going into your backswing may also limit your backswing too. again, shoulder, um, just something else to think about. I can try and put some videos or links to videos for just some basic drills, uh, into the show notes for this. It's probably going to be the easiest. Obviously this is a, an auditory, uh, medium that we're we're going through right now so it's really hard to talk about and show you drills uh through this so if you have access to the show notes um i'll put some links in there for some just like general videos that you can do just about anywhere um, if you do not have access to the show notes because i found out that that's a thing i guess uh just shoot me an email and i will send you those links as well or um, or uh shoot joe and i a direct message because our instagram usually uh um, or our Facebook, you can shoot us messages on, on either or. Um, we'd be more than happy to kind of hash out some things. Or, you know, if you did want to send videos of, of you, you know, doing things, whether it's golf swing or just general movement patterns that we could look at and kind of give you some suggestions um, or point you in the right direction for a provider in your area, we have no problem doing that either. Yeah. And you kind of alluded with your drill a little bit to his second question. Um, he kind of says, which major slash minor muscles should be trained in specific for speed training at home or, and or in the gym? Uh, well, since the golf swing is a full body movement, you want to train your full body. Um, but, you know, we're, we're talking about you know, that once again, this is going to be a pretty broad stroke. I mean, for the, for the shoulders, you know, we need a little more external rotation. So they're on the backside. So external rotators, you alluded to it, the lat, um, because it does a lot of motions of the shoulder, um, mid back musculature to help us, you know, flex, extend, rotate, uh, low back musculature, mainly for flexion extension, because those, uh, bodies of what are called the vertebrae are much bigger. So they, they don't have as much motion. Um, most of the hip, I mean, you got to flex the hip, extend the hip, rotate the hip, um, kind of comes out. And so anything to do with the hips, obviously the, the quads and the hamstrings, uh, the calves, uh, basically golf is a, the golf swing using the club is a total body movement. So, I mean, there's really no muscle or no stone that lays unturned uh, with anything. Um, but with speed training, you can't go, what I'll say, you can't go balls to the wall to start off with. You have to work yourself into it. Like for example, right now I do strength training, uh, working out five times a week. Now I have the, the super speed golf clubs and I do that. They recommend no more than three times a week. So, you know, if you start it off, probably one time a week is good. That is what's called supplemental training to increase your speed and it's just pure speed. So they have three clubs, they have the light, the medium, the heavy. If you buy it, they give you the protocol. And I believe I'm in like week 13, 14. And it has made a difference. But the other thing that has made a difference is my training in the gym because I'm also training power, speed, strength, stuff like that. So don't get kind of sucked into the, oh, speed training is the next new thing. I don't have a problem with it. But if you make that your main focus, then you're leaving things on the table. You're leaving strength on the table. You're leaving power on the table. 
You're leaving mobility on the table. You're leaving stability on the table. You're leaving a lot of things that could also help improve your golf swing or improve your golf game. So kind of going back to the, the base of this question, almost any muscle group you use from, you know, from the neck down. I mean, golf swings, total body movement. We're learning how to generate and slow down or resist force when we're doing it. So, you know, that's kind of, I know that's kind of a general answer, but that's just kind of how it is. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's pretty much a total body move. We're using pretty much just about everything when we're swinging a golf club. If I had to, uh, whittle it down to groups, major muscle groups, like you said, pretty much all around the hips, uh, hamstrings and quads are going to be huge. Cause that's going to be where you're going to develop a ton of force. Um, the chest has been shown at least in some studies to be, you know, a strong indicator or a strong correlator to uh, swing speed. The lats are huge as well in increasing speed. And then you really want to work your core. Uh, I know people don't like that word, the core that also includes your hips as far as I'm concerned, but uh, the core is going to resist that motion basically. So that's going to be really important and huge to help transfer all that force and speed from the ground to the club head. Um, that's what I would, you know, if I had to whittle it down, that's what I would focus on. Yeah. And, and kind of go back two points. One, if your lats are strong, remember that position where you get it in the slot, that is the lats working. So if that is stronger, you're going to be able to stay in that slot and boom, 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 repetitively. You're going to be able to deliver that club better. Because if you do things like pull downs, whether it's single arm, lap pull downs, da da da, um, and you're strong in that, that is really going to help you because then you won't be casting. You know, you can keep it in the slot because my lat is pulling down instead of me having to use kind of the front of this. Uh, number two, with ground reaction force, like Joe's talking about, when you push through the ground, that force comes up and manifests itself in the midline core area. So the majority of that ground reaction force is used through the core, through that strength, and then it works its way down with the torque of the hips. So if you work on all those areas, you're definitely gonna get bang for your buck and more than likely be able to handle the repetitive forces of the golf swing and possibly be able to increase club head speed and, and help yourself out when you're swinging the golf club. All right. And then the last part of his question, which you again, somewhat alluded to a little bit, and this is again, going to be tough to say kind of what you have available to you and where your current training level is, um, what you're trying to achieve, what your goals are, all those things. But the last part of the question is what is the frequency and intensity per week suggested to make progress? Okay. And of right now. Yeah. I would say most people are probably playing golf and um, it's going to be really hard. You can do it. You can make progress in season, but if you're playing a fair amount, you're not just playing, you know, once a month, if you're playing at least once or twice a week, something along those lines, and you're probably like every other human in the world who has a job and other responsibilities, uh, it's going to be really hard to make progress during this time because you're just putting your body through a lot of other stress by playing and doing those other things. 
the off season is where you're going to make your most gains and improvement. And really during the season is almost more of maintenance. Again, you can make some progress if it's done correctly, but you're probably not going to make much, not compared to what you would do in the off season. So with that being said, uh, again, it's going to be really hard to say what kind of frequency and intensity, because we don't know what your training level is. Uh, we don't know lots of different things. Basically, all that's going to play a role and a factor into how intense you can be, how frequent you can be, all of those things. Uh, generally speaking, I would say for training-wise, at least strength training, um, in-season, i probably recommend two times a week at most. You can do some mobility stuff in there. That's usually not too taxing on the body. And you can also probably mix in a little bit of speed stuff. I wouldn't do it a ton. Off season though, that's where you want to go, go to town. Your intensity is going to be up. Your volume is going to be higher and you're probably gonna be working out three to four times a week in terms of strength training. And, uh, you should be doing other stuff on the other off days too, like mobility, again, less taxing, giving your body a little break in between strength and power training. Um, but that's when you go to town basically. Yeah. And, and I, I totally agree with a lot of that. So this is something I could nerd out with for a long time. Um, you know, obviously besides the TPI, I have the certified strength and conditioning specialist from the national strength and conditioning association. And this is one of the things they talked about a lot. My bachelor's and a lot studying for this exam is in season versus off season training. Okay. Like Joe said, off season, more strength stuff, basically higher volume, uh, intensity is going to be a little bit lower and you're probably going to train, like he said, three, four, maybe five times a week. Um, if you're a beginner, it's probably going to be in the two to three times a week. Um, if you're more kind of intermediate three to four, um, if you're advanced three to five, depending on what you're doing on that day and what lifts you're doing, you know, um, are you doing squat? Are you doing bench? Are you doing deadlift? Are you doing you know, a, a clean, are you doing a snatch? I mean, there's some, we could, I could nerd out on periodization programming, all this all day. So if anybody wanted me to nerd out with them, send me a message in the Instagram or the Facebook. Okay. So it, like Joe said, in the off season, that is when you're going after strength. That is when you're building that baseline of strength up, that is, you are testing yourself there. You may go slightly to failure, but that's probably more for the intermediate advanced person. Um, you are working on a little bit of power um, and you're just trying to build yourself up, getting ready for the season. Now, for most of us, um, unless you live in the warmer climates like myself, uh, you are now in the in season. Okay, so what is the difference? Volume is much lower because like Joe said, if you go hard in the gym, you tax yourself, you get out on the golf course, you may make it nine holes and you're like, Ooh, how am I going to make it through this last nine? Now it's good that you're testing your abilities, but you want to have enough energy to do things such as, uh, have a good driving range session, have a good, you know, chipping area, putting green session, have a good round, you know, stuff like that. So volume is lower. Frequency is lower. Uh, strength demands is much lower. You can kind of test yourself, but not that much. That's what the off season's for. Okay. Now with regards to intensity, this is one thing, depending on your training level, you could increase a little bit because if you're, 
frequency is much less, let's say you do it one, two, three times a week, you can, excuse me, increase the intensity if you want, but you're not going balls to the wall like I told you before, okay? So for the beginning person, it's probably going to be one to two, maybe three times a week. For that middle person, two to three times a week, that intermediate. Um, higher level, probably about two to four tops, you know, um, but you are, you are not pushing for strength. You're pushing a little more for power. You're pushing a little more for endurance. Um, you're pushing, like Joe said, a little more for mobility, a little more for stability. Um, uh, and maybe, you know, with regards to obviously the golf swing and everything, a little more with acceleration, uh, velocity. Um, so those are kind of my general thoughts on that based on the guidelines that Joe talked about, based on the guidelines for National Strength and Conditioning Association, and based on my previous work as an assistant strength coach um, at a Division three school working with a number of athletes, whether it was off-season or in-season. So if you have any questions about that or you just want to nerd out with me, go ahead and send me a message because I, I really like uh, playing around with this stuff and, and, and things like that. Yeah, and, um, you know, no to there are some general guidelines to follow like Andrew was talking about when it comes to like on our end to writing a program and doing those things. Um, but no two strength coaches are going to write the same program again, even though there is a science to what we do, it's also an art. Um, mm -hmm. so everyone's going to have their own flair and flavor of how they would program for someone. So there's not necessarily, there's definitely a, uh, a wrong for sure. Um, <laughs> when it comes to, to writing programs and stuff like that, but there's not necessarily a right either because there's so many ways to, to skin a cat when it comes to getting stronger, powerful, all those kinds of things. Um, there's too many, too many factors to include on that. So don't get too caught up in the minutia. Um, but if you really need some help, you know, reach out to a coach or someone who's qualified to write a program for you. Cause that's going to be your best bet instead of you just throwing something together, uh, that you found on the internet. Um, which again, may, may not even be appropriate for you. Um, that's why getting a coach is one of the best things that you can do. And really it takes the guesswork out, out of on your end, basically. Cause, um, you know, I even go for myself. I get really bored really quickly with stuff that I write for myself. And I'm like, oh, I just want to do something different today. But if I know that I was following a plan that was written out for me, I would follow it. Um, and hopefully, you know, you would do the same as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that's why Joe's talking about coaches need coaches. I mean, uh, you know, if if you want to get better, I mean, find a qualified professional that has a good background in strength and conditioning or, or, or some sort of training. Um, that's why people seek out nutritionists if they want to improve their, their eating and, and lifestyle habits, things like that. Um, also, if you want to look at an example, it may not fit you, but it's kind of an example of in-season, off-season. Uh, Titleist Performance Institute, I believe, on, on Monday talked about Cameron Smith, who just won the Zerk Classic. Uh, with his trainer, he put together an in-season and an off-season program. So um, if you just Google like Cameron Smith uh, training regimen, um, there is an off season and an in season program that you can kind of take a look at and, and get an idea of kind of what that looks like from some of the stuff that Joe and I are doing. But once again, don't pick that program because one, it specifically fits Camp Smith. 
with his trainer. And number two, a lot of these programs on the internet are cookie cutter and they don't think about individual needs or things of that nature if they're just kind of posting it online kind of willy-nilly. So um, and many of those exercises may not fit you, may not fit your goals either. All right. And that's all the questions that we have or that we're going to cover this this round. Um, but any any big golf outings coming up for you, Andrew? Uh, not not really. I may play uh, some tournaments in the state at the end of June, July, somewhere around there. So um, I'm getting close to saving enough money to get a get a new set of irons and uh, redo my wedges, and then obviously working up to the driver fairway wood, and then figuring out if I want to do a utility iron. Uh, hybrid or uh, keep my five wood like I have right now. So just kind of working on the, the minute details. So, um, but uh, I know, what is it? Uh, they have a corn fairy tour event coming up in, in Maine and then what, July, August or something up there? Uh, end of June, end of June. Okay. Okay. So that's end of, yep. Coming up soon, pretty quickly. I'm excited. Uh, I haven't heard what I'm going to do yet. Put in for, uh, Walking score, uh, another thing for a score, and I forget what the last said. I think a marshal, um, but my number one was walking score. So hopefully I get it, um, which will be pretty fun. And also, if anyone in Maine is listening to this and you have not signed up to volunteer, just got an email the other day, and they're still looking for many more volunteers. Uh, they need a lot more. And if you're in Maine and you have nothing to do, I think it's the last weekend of June, uh, sign up. I mean, you get free free access and free food and some some gear for free. I mean, not necessarily for free. I think you got to pay 20 bucks, But, I mean, it's a pretty good deal. Uh, can't go wrong, I think. So go ahead and sign up before, before that happens. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, probably now that it's April, into April, beginning of May, your uh, state golf association is starting to kick off some events or some other things, right? Yeah, I think they just started this past this past weekend, and I think the first qualifier for like the main open, I believe, is happening soon. Um, so yeah, things are rocking and rolling here. Carts are finally allowed, although I haven't used one yet. Um, mm-hmm. I prefer to walk. Yes. Um, yeah. Use your fitness, folks. Yes, please. Also helps you just stay healthy, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Just walk. Plus, yeah. I I've never found. Sometimes it's been still been cart paths only. I mean, what's the point? You're wasting you waste so much time if you have to if you yeah. hit the ball on the other side of the fairway and you got to walk across. It's just you're better off just walking. It's so much yeah. easier. Pretty much. All right, uh, we'll wrap up this show. Thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, we're always so grateful for you listening, sending in questions. If you have questions, feel free to send myself or Andrew. Uh, a message on Instagram or on Facebook. Andrew is also on Twitter. I'm not very much on Twitter, um, but feel free to reach out to us. All those things will be linked in the show notes. Again, if you do not have access to the show notes, um, just shoot us a a message or an email. You can send me an email or uh, you can send Andrew message at strength underscore roast on Instagram. I believe that's what it is on Twitter as well. Uh, and then um, it's all it's all one word on uh, Facebook is all one word on Facebook. There you go, folks. So if you don't have access, that's his stuff. 
my email is just joe at puredrivephysio.com. And with that, we will end the show. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast. As always, I'm forever grateful for you taking the time out of your day to download and listen to another episode of this podcast. If you have a question that you would like to get answered on the next monthly MASH podcast by myself and Andrew, feel free to reach out to us via any of the links that we talked about uh, in social media, Facebook or Instagram primarily, or you can shoot either of us an email. All of those things will be linked up in the show notes. However, I do think I have trouble linking emails in the show notes, so those won't be linked, but they'll be listed there. And if you want to go ahead and have a question, like I said, about anything in regards to golf fitness, golf performance, nutrition for the course, anything related to an injury, anything related to equipment, any of those things, if you have a question about it, feel free to shoot either of us a message and we will make sure that that question gets answered on the next podcast. With that being said, I will go ahead and wrap up this show officially. But as always, keep working hard, keep striving for excellence in everything that you do, because when you feel great, you golf great.